The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on voiceamerica.com. Very interesting and unusual program for you today. My guest is all the way from Australia. And uh, I'm at 2 o'clock in the afternoon Eastern, and she's at 4 a.m. the next day. And my guest is Camilla Chance, and her book is Wisdom Man, about Banjo Clark, the compassionate life and beliefs of a remarkable Aboriginal elder. Now, some lives like that of Banjo Clark are so special that they count touchless, really touch countless of others without trying. Banjo was born in the early 20s in the forest near Victoria, and by the time he passed away, he was known and loved by thousands for his wisdom and his kindness. He carried a swag during the Great Depression. He fought with Jimmy Sharnan's famous boxing troupe. He built roads for the Army in World War II, and he had 67 great-grandchildren. Despite the hardships that he faced, he was renowned for love and forgiveness and his deep connection to the land and his ancient culture and spiritual beliefs. Welcome to Camilla Chance. Welcome, Camilla. Thank you very much, Patricia, and it's a great honor to be with you. Thank you for your hospitality. Uh, I think you do wonderful work. Uh, I feel that those who manage to help change the world are the people with enormous compassion, and I feel that that is what you're spreading and doing and feeling. So that's great. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do this interview was really because of the title here about lessons of redemption and forgiveness and renewal and wisdom. And a lot of us have heard so much about the wisdom of the aboriginals. And this is an elder who had many, many obstacles. How did you uh, come to write about him? <laughs> Well, that's a bit of a long story, but I'm a Baha'i, and Baha'is believe that all humankind is one family, and uh, we also honor indigenous people very greatly because we believe that those indigenous people who are living by their old laws and are true to them are living the closest to how God wants us to live in the future. So naturally, Baha'is are drawn to Aboriginal people and Indigenous people everywhere rather a lot because they're really living the written laws that we have. They're living it and feeling it every day. So anyhow, 
in my house in Victoria, Australia, there came a whole lot of Baha'is from all over the world staying with me, and one of them was an Aboriginal young man from the north of Australia, Mornington Island, and he was 16 years old. And he wanted to meet the local Aboriginal people. And although I had been living for three years in that country town, Warrnambool, Victoria, Australia, I had not seen any Aboriginal people there because they were very, very, very good at disappearing. Mm -hmm. And so we arranged to go out to the Aboriginal settlement, which was 10 miles out in the bush, and uh, that's where most of the Aboriginal people were living. So we all piled into two cars and went out to the settlement. And, of course, we observed Aboriginal courtesy. In the tribal situation, Aboriginal people, if one is visiting another tribe, mm-hmm. he or she, and it's usually a he, will sit some distance away from the tribe where he can be seen but where he cannot overhear anything. And the elders of the tribe will discuss whether to invite the person in, and they may discuss for nearly a whole day. And then they'll send a little boy out and invite the person in usually, and then they'll give them enormous hospitality, every hospitality you can imagine. So Aboriginal people keep their integrity in the modern world, and they'll always find an Aboriginal way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So we all sat outside the settlement in a rough sort of circle around the Aboriginal young man, 16 years old, and he played the guitar and sang, and the rest of us sang along and hummed along with him. But he was most definitely the star. And And this was Dan Joe Clark. Sorry? And this was Banjo Clark, who became the, the wisdom man. No, this was certainly not Banjo Clark. No, this is how I met Banjo Clark. Right. All right. So well. we sat around Philip, who changed his name to Bawu, which means pelican. Mm-hmm. And Philip, or Bawu, was 16 years old. And uh, he played the guitar and sang, and we sat around him outside the Aboriginal settlement, which mm-hmm. was local to where I lived. And very soon, a carload of Aboriginal men came by, and they hung out of the windows and looked at us, and Benjo was in that car. Uh-huh. And uh, we waved them over, but they took no notice. They went on driving. And very soon afterwards, an Aboriginal woman came out from the settlement and invited us in. And she took us to every house on the settlement and introduced us to to the people there. Mm. And I felt that all the people had this extremely deep core of love, just a Mm. basic feeling of love for all humankind. It was just so deep and so profound in them, and it was undisguised. It was was not covered with a worldly veneer. Because I feel that all people have this, basically. Yes. But we tend to cover it over with a veneer of corruption or what the world mm-hmm. uh, teaches us, uh, and a lot of it is not suitable for so the future So let's fast forward a little bit. So you met him at this, yeah. at this point. I met Benjo in the last house, yes, at the la- in the last house. And he was the most loving man of all. 
And my little daughter ran to him and gave him a hug, and he picked her up and hugged her and pretended he was hugging her as tightly as could be. And he said, eee! But really, he was very gentle with her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yes, and Banjo says of our first meeting, we was drawn to each other. Mm-hmm. Really, we both felt we both felt universal love, and we recognized that in each other. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that, that did make a, a, a very obvious connection straight away. Well, and, and I think what's powerful about the book is that this is a man, and you're talking about the love that he had, is he's a man who endured decades of discrimination that included imprisonment, seeing family members massacred, and assimilated into a white society. So this had to be very, you know, that, that's, that's such core, such, I mean, such core pain, and such a, very tough, and yet he had that love in his heart. Yes, well, people are transformed by the book. I've given talks all over the world and very much all over Australia. And everywhere I go, I meet people who say, I used to be very angry, but after meeting Banjo's character so thoroughly in the book, I have become peaceful and I have forgiven everybody who has harmed me. Mm. And if they don't say that, they say, I have a friend who was very angry and he or she read the book and and became peaceful. So there's something there. And uh, the thing is that Banjo forgave people a hundred times a hundred or a thousand times a thousand. He Mm. just was all forgiveness and all compassion and all love. Mm. And he would say when there was great hardship and when he was locked up overnight just for being Aboriginal and walking through a town and let go in the morning and told, just keep on walking, don't look for jobs in this town. And things like that, he would always say to himself, that policeman will learn compassion when he's older, and things have got to change, they have to change. And he says, actually, in the book, that when he was leaning out of that car window and he saw us around the Aboriginal young man and the young teenager was the star, he felt the big changes coming, things that I've hoped would change all my life. This big change is coming in the world now. This is, this is a sign of it. Mm. So he became a Baha'i too, of course, because he saw Baha'i faith as Aboriginality for the modern world. And he didn't hesitate. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we have a few minutes before the break. So what would you say, what would be one of the stories that you remember most? I mean, there are so many, but something that really affected you deeply in a very positive way. Well, there is just so much in the book. I I suppose, really, what would be apt would be to tell the story of when Banjo was in a pub and there was a a white man there insulting him and his race very profoundly and very Mm. roughly indeed, and there were really no holds barred to what this white man was saying. And Banjo was just peacefully there and didn't say anything. And the publican kicked Banjo out, of course, because he was the Aboriginal, and he wanted to stop this from happening. And... um, uh, Years later, 
this man turned up lost at Banjo's house and knocked mm. on the door. And Banjo invited him in, and the man said, I'm, I have a job cutting wood in the forest, and I've lost my way, and my car has broken down, and I want a telephone. And Banjo said, well, we have no telephone, but sit down, warm yourself by our fire, I'll give mm. you a meal, and then I will lead you to where your job will be in the forest. Mm. So that happened, and Banjo was leading him through the forest, and of course it was black night, and the man was becoming more and more uneasy. And he said to him at last, Banjo, do you know who I am? And Banjo said, yes, I do. Mm. And the man said, you could kill me here, and nobody would mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. And Banjo said, yes, I know. And the man said, why don't you? Mm -hmm. And Banjo said, I want you to realize that not all Aboriginal people are bad. Mm. So he led him to his job, and he met the man years and years later, and the man said he had brought up his children never to have prejudice, that all prejudice was destructive, which is, oh, of course, a Oh, what a story, teaching. Camilla. Oh, what yes. a story. And on that note, we're going to take a break. My guess is Camilla Chance. Her book is Wisdom Man, Benjo Clark. His story is told to Camilla Chance, the compassionate life and beliefs of a remarkable Aboriginal elder. You're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to get freed up? Join Dr. Jennifer Freed, one of America's leading psychological thinkers, for a groundbreaking program with fascinating guests and full participation from you. Freed Up will explore topics like liberation in long-term relationships, parenting in the 21st century, comfort in stressful times, and much more. Tune in to Freed Up every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and wake up to the heartbeat of your life. Wielding power, shaping environments and outcomes, and making things happen are all essential characteristics of great leaders. Yet these qualities alone are not enough to ensure your success. In a complex world, how do you decide what's most important to you? In your career, your relationships, your finances, your family, in the world around you, in the whole of your life at large. Dr. Joseph Riggio, the host of Leadership Intuition, says that personal leadership, the desire to take charge of your life, is the key to creating futures that work and building a life worth living. Join Joseph as he reveals the power of uncovering and living your own personal mythology, the key to personal transformation, exquisite performance, and social influence. Learn to look inside and discover your personal mythology and unique leadership style. Go beyond conventional advice and discover your unique success blueprint on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, power, achievement, relationships. 
If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. You know, this is an amazing book and an amazing story. We are talking about Banjo Clark, who was an amazing, remarkable, aboriginal elder. And his story is called Wisdom Man, as told to Camilla Chance. And she's written his story in this book, Wisdom Man. It was voted by USABooknews.com as a Best Books Award winner. And Banjo Clark was extraordinary. His life was one of forgiving, a life of kindness, and a life of love. And um, Keith Hamilton, who writes, I've met Nelson Mandela, and Banjo Clark was the same quality of person. So uh, this is pretty amazing. And on the interview today is Camilla Chance, and welcome, Camilla, again. Uh, I want to tell everybody to log on to this website, wisdommanbook.com, and you can see interviews with, um, with Banjo Clark before he passed, with Camilla Chance, and with uh, quite a few other people, so do take a look at that. Welcome back, Camilla. Thank you very much, Patricia. Yes, and, and it's 4 o'clock in the morning the next day in Australia there, and you sound like you're right next door to me. That's what's so interesting. <laughs> yes, and as I said before, I, I haven't slept all night. <laughs> oh, well, well um, you're very articulate, I can say that. You know, um, I remember I read a book, and I must bring this up because this was my, really my first, I don't even know if you call it immersion, but my real introduction to the Aboriginal thinking. And it was yes. a book called, and it had, the book had a lot of controversy to it. So you may know yes. what I'm talking about, but it was called Mutant Message Down Under. Do you know the book? I know it well, yes. And it was, it was I read the book and it was, there were so many amazing powers in the book. It was it was as though magical powers were coming through the land and from the people. And I read later that um, you know this might have been a dream of the authors. There was a controversy as to whether this was a real story or not. But what I got from it, and not to digress from Banjo and and what he did, Banjo Clark, but what I got from that was these amazing powers of the Aboriginal people. Almost like the Indian, Native American Indian, you know, medicine men that could could foretell and see things and just really understand the land. Your comments. Yes, well, that, that is true. Yes, Aboriginal people object to the book, Mutant Message from Down Under, because they say we do not kidnap people. And that is a very profound thing in their thinking. It's a profound hurt because Aboriginal children were stolen. Uh, there was a stolen generation, two stolen generations, in fact. 
and at the slightest excuse, the government took the children away from their parents and brought them up in orphanages and foster homes, and any that were not very dark, they tried to pass off as white, and those that were dark were still not told that they were Aboriginal. Most of them were stolen as babies, and the families were split up. Children went to different foster homes all over Australia. So um, it was a terrible, terrible thing. The parents suffered terribly and split up usually after their families were stolen from them. And the children, of course, suffered every kind of trauma in the orphanages. Mm. And a lot of them did not survive. So um, it goes deeply to the heart of Aboriginal people that they do not kidnap. (laughs) And that is their great objection to that book, Mutant Message from Down Under. But they do have wonderful powers. And they do feel that there is no division or practically no division between the spiritual realm and the material realm. Uh, If Banjo wanted to go to a funeral in another town, and he actually says in the book he would like to go to the funeral of every human being in the world if he could, just to show his respect for that person for being a human being. So you can see this core of love that is in Aboriginal people for all humankind. Anyway, um, if he was going to a funeral in another town, Mm -hmm. I would try to give him directions so that he could direct the driver of the car that the family was in uh, to, to get to the funeral. And he would say, no, you never give directions to an Aboriginal person. We will get there. Mm, That's amazing. Well, after I met Aboriginal people, I had the same experiences. Uh, They would say, we have joined with some Maori people, people from indigenous people from New Zealand, uh, to give a party tonight and uh, come to the party. And they would say no more than that. And I would just get into my car say to the spiritual realm, I'm in your hands. And they would, I would be directed through my intuition, turn here, turn there, turn there, and eventually I would see a fire. And I would think, this is the place, and I'd drive up, and it was, it would be. <laughs> so uh, white people who spent time with Aboriginal people used to say to the Aboriginal people that things never happened in their lives before the way they happened. Uh, now that they're with Aboriginal people, things happen. They get signs every minute of the day. There is this intense uh, interaction between the spiritual realm and the material realm. Absolutely. You know, um, another movie that comes to mind with this is the movie Australia. Oh, yes. Mm, I've seen it. And when we saw the Aboriginal elder in the movie. And, you know, I think what I'd like to find out from you for our listeners is what would you say are some of the great lessons that the aboriginals can teach us now um, one might be living from the earth but what what are they what for everyday people who are living more i don't know what you call it and i don't know what the word is but more urban suburban lives what can we learn Well, certainly uh, there's a lot in the book about how they cared for the earth. But what I think the world needs tremendously 
are two Aboriginal teachings, which, of course, are common to Indigenous people all over the world pretty well. Uh, one is sharing, and one is this sense that the spiritual realm is closer to you than your life vein, to quote a Baha'i quote. You know, the spiritual realm is all around you. It might not be through signs that you receive through an animal or, or the moving of a tree, but there will still be this evidence if you are alert to it, if you move from your heart and do things from your heart, you, you, will, you will tune in to the fact that you are being protected. And Aboriginal people have this immense confidence. Of course, they'll walk through a desert and be quite sure that they will be shown where to find water. And they know that so long as they try to do the right thing, they will be totally protected, and they do not become tense, and they do not block their mm. their intuition mm. to, from the signs of, you know, of that, water being that, in a certain area. Yeah, I want to say something about that. I think that's something that so many of us, I included, I mean, it's almost a human condition, particularly those of us that live uh, different kinds of lifestyles and don't live that lifestyle. Um, we have a lot of fear. We worry. You know, we worry. We yes. worry. Will we be okay financially? Will we be okay economically? Will we be okay with our families? Will our relationships work? I think a lot of us have that worry. And it seems from what you're saying about this culture with the Aborigines that they, they don't. It's not the same. It's not the same at all. It's totally different. It's a totally different world that they, they live in, and they live with this integrity even in the modern world. Mm. They manage, I mean, they, they use the Internet, they manage everything in the modern world, and they see that it's important to use the facilities that make everything better for us. But uh, they will still keep their Aboriginal integrity. And, yes, it doesn't matter if you're surrounded with things that are not of nature. If you tune into your heart's core and do things from the heart, you will be aware of this spiritual realm all around you, looking after you, protecting you, because mm -hmm. it is a love relationship. Mm -hmm. the, the Aboriginal people love their ancestors. They love... The, all the spiritual realm around them and they know that they are loved and they are so sure of being loved. Mm. You know, and when I think about that, it must be, it must be such a wonderful way to live without, without that kind of fear, Camilla, and worry. We need it. We need it so much in this modern world. It will change everything. It will change everything yeah. if we have that. And it will make us open and sharing with each other, too. Yeah, there's a lot of distrust, too. And I know, I know you know all about that, but there's, there's a lot of that as well. Yes, yes. That, that must we go. worry about, will our neighbor hurt us? Will we get cheated out of something? Will we not get this job? Will we be, I mean, it's, it's rampant, and particularly now in, in, you know, in the United States, where, where I am, with the economic downturn, I mean, you hear yes. it every single day. Yes, I know. There is so much fear. Well, mm. 
the high paid. So what would you what would you advise? We have like two minutes to to break, and then we'll come back. But what what kind of advice would you and would you say that Banjo would give if he were alive? What would he say if he was kind of watching what's going on here? Well, there are two things. There's advice from me and advice from Banjo. Okay, advice go ahead. Me is to express gratitude for the day in the morning on waking, so that for the day to come, say thank you for this beautiful day, and it will cause you to notice what is beautiful in that day. It will cause you to focus on the positive things. Uh, pray in the morning or express gratitude in the morning for, for the day to come. And from Banjo... Banjo said, when forgiveness and love of the planet and a love of the people that walk upon it are your main priorities in life, then things get easier between people. Then the disputes tend to fade away. And the ultimate goal is the laughter returns. He believes, and I do too, that there are no bad people in the world, only unhappy ones. He thought that humankind should wipe their slate of interracial torment clean and meet as if for the first time in peace and unity. And, he... and, this, and this is a man who, who endured decades of discrimination, imprisonment, seeing family members massacred, and still says there are no bad people. That's pretty amazing. Well, Aboriginal people looked upon those who massacred them as children who had not had the correct emotions brought out in them, had not had compassion brought out in them. I was brought up that if you became an adult, it meant squashing your feelings, not showing your feelings, not feeling, whereas Aboriginal people had exactly the opposite viewpoint. Compassion was brought out in little children from birth. A mother would point at an insect and say, oh, poor thing, it's going the wrong way, and bring out the child's compassion and the child's feeling with others. And uh, feeling the right emotion is a sign of maturity to Aboriginal people. Mm -hmm. And so those who massacred them were just little children who hadn't had the right emotions brought out. Amazing. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are talking to Camilla Chance. She is the author of Wisdom Man, the story of Banjo Clark, a compassionate life and belief of a remarkable Aboriginal elder. You're listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are, or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on voiceamerica.com. 
Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, everyone. Welcome back. You're listening to Patricia Raskin Positive Living right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. We're talking about lessons of redemption, forgiveness, renewal, and wisdom of our elders. In the book, Wisdom Man is told to Camilla Chance. Camilla Chance is the author of this very, very special book about an amazing Aboriginal elder who has been compared to Nelson Mandela. She knew him very well and has worked with him and really tells his story. And this book was a Best Books Award winner from USABookNews.com. Welcome back, Camilla. You know, one of the things that I was talking about is how he had endured a lot of discrimination and imprisonment uh, and saw family members massacred, but you see, you corrected me and said that his mother is the one who saw all of that. Yes, his mother witnessed massacres that she told me about, but the point is that Aboriginal people live in the eternal present. Everything is happening now, and the Aboriginal languages themselves cater for this. There are words which are untranslatable into English, and for the eternal present, there is the word, the dreaming, or the dream time. And if an Aboriginal person passes on, they say, he's gone to his dreaming, or she's gone to her dreaming. But at the same time, and that means to the spiritual realm, but at the same time, the spiritual realm is in and through them and all around them. And so they live in the dream time. And if they see perhaps a kangaroo, and the kangaroo is their tribe's totem, they will, their family totem, they will suddenly go into a trance and be extra conscious of the spiritual realm being all around them. And there is absolutely no translation. And in European languages, we do not have words for the perpetual spiritual sensations that Aboriginal people have. And it's a great shame that some of the languages, a lot of the languages have gone. So anyhow, Banjo himself would describe massacres to me, and it was exactly as if he were living them himself. He would describe the expressions on the men's faces. He, he would 
say they were laughing. They they must have been having a great time, mm. and uh, all sorts of things like that. That uh, the hands were chopped off when his his great grandmother uh, was told jump off this cliff or be shot, and so she and the other women mutton birding, which is catching mutton birds, uh, jumped, and they jumped into the water, and there were boats all around them, and when they clung to the boats, their hands were chopped off, and the water was full of blood, and Mm. he described the white men's expressions, and the Aboriginal people also, I, I witnessed this often, and I experienced it myself, they would always know when calamity had struck a member of their family far away, they would know instantly. They would live it themselves in spirit. And that happened to me very often also. And so it is quite logical that they could do this with people in the past as well. They, they could experience their experience, which actually happened, and they experienced it totally fundamentally. Benjo really, really suffered when he told me of the massacre, and he really hated describing them. He just and, yet, and yet it's really amazing, again, how we talk about his compassion, you know, and, and, his, and his wisdom and his love. What would you say might be another lesson, Camilla, that, that we could learn? I mean, one of the things you talked about yourself is gratitude, is that it's very important that we're grateful for the day and for what we have. Yes. Anything else? Well, the the consciousness of the spiritual realm being all around you is so important. But another thing that is extremely important among Aboriginal people is sharing. And they saw sharing as, or Banjo definitely always saw sharing as a symbol of the unity of humankind. And I remember once I uh, offered him a chocolate or I hope you understand the word chocolate because you pronounce it so differently. But um, anyhow, chocolate in Australian. So I offered him a chocolate in my car, and he received it very, very solemnly. And I felt as if all the ancestors were watching him and as if we were having a little ceremony. And he ate it, and I don't think he wanted it physically at all, but, but he ate it because this was a very important ceremony, this sh- just this simple sharing. And uh, I just felt as if, it, because he felt it, I felt too, as if the whole spiritual realm were watching us and witnessing us and, and rejoicing with us for this. Mm. And uh, again, of course, one reason for Aboriginal people's confidence is that they always have an intuition of danger. They know the spiritual realm will warn them if there is actually any danger. So if that warning has not come, they will be totally happy. And totally All right, so confident. let me ask you, Camilla, do you think that we get warnings too? Absolutely. We get warnings too through our intuition, yes. Yes. But we've got to be in tune with our intuition right. in this era, not with our egos. Not with the veneer, you know, that we've learned. Yeah, very much. All right, we have a few minutes left to break. What would you say has been the biggest lesson that you, Camilla Chance, has learned from being exposed and from knowing this incredible man? 
Well, truly, I think that that being natural is a good thing, <laughs> you know, because I was <laughs> I was brought up that that the only virtue was pretending, and if you really wanted to be unpopular, you should be yourself. <laughs> and I've found that there is a great beauty in being natural, <laughs> and, and really and truly, I I think that that is that is it. Mm. Mm. Being natural, you mean um, no makeup? Um, oh, no, that's not necessary. But don't put weight on makeup. Don't think that makeup is all that important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. No, I didn't really mean that. I meant being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. So no makeup in terms of the exterior being being more authentic, I think, is what you're saying. Yes, yes, indeed. Being more authentic. Now, Banjo Clark died three years before this book came out, but his spirit definitely lives on. And his son, Len, and his 17-year-old grandson, Carrie, whom Banjo taught to take his place, uh, are also honored in speaking about this amazing man. So they're carrying on his legacy. Yes, they are. Absolutely, yes. Yes, uh, Banjo brought up Carrie as as his as the next leader of of his tribe anyway. But the fact is that Aboriginal people are usually very secretive about their teachings. Mm. But Banjo was so sure that the world would endure a terrible crisis if people didn't change their hearts and change their ways that he felt it was absolutely imperative that he speak out through me, as it turned out. And it took 27 years to write this book. And it's published by Penguin, by the way. And if a person goes into the website, www.wisdommanbook.com, there are facilities for ordering the book from Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. There's a picture of Banjo that you click on, and, and you can order the book that way. Now, you also are writing another book, which is scheduled to come out next year. Yes, I am, yes. Wonderful. Well, tell us, um, we have about a minute left, so just tell us how people can find you, Camilla. Ooh, find me. Well, Well, right to to you. Right to you. So they would go to the website. Uh, They can go to the website, or, yes, my... (laughs) I have an Aboriginal name for my uh, for my email address, so that's a bit tricky. Okay. But, but if they go to the website, okay. they, they they can. There are facilities for wisdommanbook.com. Thank you so much. Stay on the line. Thank you for giving us such an inspirational interview. Thank you very much, Patricia. Thank you very much, listeners. Thank you for your hospitality. All right, stay on the line, folks. We've come to the end of Patricia Raskin Positive Living. For this week, we'll be with you next week. Stay happy, stay healthy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next week, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 